0: Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. I am the lead pastor here at The Grove in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be a part of this church, to engage in this message, for supporting our ministry. It means more than you know. None of what we get to do happens without you. I pray that today's message speaks to your heart. I hope that it helps you move forward in your relationship with God, and I hope that you become just a little bit better in following Jesus because you took the time to listen today. Enjoy the message. I'm type A, and I see very well. Direction is not a problem for me. Matter of fact, I can cast vision with the best of them. Here's the issue for me. that The issue is not, is not that. It is, it's not, and it's not even getting there. I can actually come back and go, okay, hey, we're going to go out there, and we need to take this step, this step, and this step, right? And it's very clear, and I'm super concrete, and I'm 100% confident, and I believe in that wholeheartedly with everything that I am. If we're going to do this, this is the way we need to go, and it's, it's caused many great discussions between me and Heather? And so then I can only do that because my faith is rooted in Jesus, that I look at the Bible as the way, as the guide for my life. I've been doing that for 23 years now. And so because of that, I've developed healthy habits, which help me keep my passion. They help me keep healthy. I stay in a balanced area because I've created healthy habits, which greatly involve meeting with God every day. And so I've become very intentional, which helps me stay on purpose. It helps me operate and live in what God's intended for me to do. And thankfully, after a ton of disappointments, I've fixed my expectation and realized it's not really my way, but it's really God's will in my life. And so that helps me stay in the potential that God's given me and operate in purpose. Everybody say purpose. And so then, now it never fails when we, uh, by the way, we're gonna talk about the Ten Commandments this summer, and we've yet to get there because God keeps doing this. And so then, when God gives me a topic to share, He always gives me a proverb. Proverbs has been part of my life for as long as I can remember. Even when I wasn't a believer, I was still reading Proverbs. And so Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. If you don't know where Proverbs is, it's in the very middle of the book. So if you open the middle and you find yourself in Psalms, go one book forward. And there's one for every day. Today's the 17th. So if you want to do something today, you can go and read Proverbs 17. It'll bless you. All right? Now, where there is no vision, the people perish. Perish, that means they die. Vision refers to a dream, a revelation, a prophecy, or a direction that you feel you are supposed to go. You know that you know that you know. And so what Scripture is saying here is, and that we understand and we feel this, and most of the time we experience this, that if we wander around without direction, we wander aimlessly. And that gets very exhausting, right? And so let me get you to the cornerstone Scripture of today. It's Hebrews 12.1. We were in this a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to take you to the back half of it you're going to underline anything, you can underline endurance and persistence, depending on what version of the Bible you're in. Strip off every unnecessary weight and all sin which so easily and cleverly entangles you and run with endurance the, and with active persistence, the race that is set before you. The race that is being referred to here is the race that you enter into once you become a believer in Jesus. So then it's not your way, it's God's will. And so then if you're not a believer today, put on your seatbelt, we're going somewhere, and it's going to be really good, all right? To run with endurance... And to have active persistence, you have to know where you're going. Otherwise, how do you know when you get there? Right? We don't. We really don't. And the reality is is, is you can run with persistence and you can run with endurance without direction. But when you get to the place where you finally out, you're going to find that you're far from the finish line. Right? Far from the finish line. And you've been going about it your way, which is why you're still aimlessly wandering, lost, and instead of in God's will for your life. So when it comes to direction taking notes. There are three classes of people when it comes to direction in our lives. One, those who have no clue where they're going. They have no direction. And those people, we would call them confused and eventually wake up to do it again. The second group of people is the the group of people who know where they're going or know where they'd like to be, but they fail to take the initiative to get there. Those people are frustrated And you hear about it a lot. Well, if I could just, well, just then, just then, you know. And the third group of people, this is only 13% of the world, the third group of people would say they know exactly where they're supposed to be, and we would call them fulfilled. So then, don't know where they're going, confused, nowhere, but don't take initiative, frustrated, know know exactly where they are, where they're going, where they should be, believe 100% in it, and they'll tell you where they're going to be tomorrow. Those people are fulfilled. And so as we jump into greater direction, it's important that you know, 87% of people who roam the face of the earth, according to a Henry Barnapole stat, do not know why they're here. 31% of those people believe in God. So they would say, I don't know why God put me here. So so to be clear, 87% of the people that you run into are gonna say, I have no direction. I have no direction. They might know where they're going today for lunch, and they might know what they're gonna do tomorrow, And probably where they're punching in, right? But as far as down the road, 87% of people are saying, I don't don't know, man. I'm just just happy to be here, right? And so then, if you feel this way, you're not alone. That's what you need to know. 87% of people feel this way. That's a large majority of people. So my hope for you today is that you would take one step, just one step towards that direction that God has for your life. So for the 87 who are confused or frustrated or lost or stuck, they're not where they want to be. They're not where they want to be, nor are they headed to where they want to go. Let's flip and look at the 13. Let's let's put, look at the bright side. 13% of people know exactly where they want to be. They know exactly where they are, where they're going, where they will end up. And they are that way because they actively are persistent, and they have the endurance to run the race. And when you see these people, they probably make you sick. Because like, come on, man. Do you really like getting up at 3 a.m. And, and working at the hospital? Yeah. Light's my fire, right? And so those 13 percent that know where they're at, what they're doing, where they're going, they wake up anxious. They go to bed anxious, and they wake up ready. How many of you guys would like to go to bed anxious, not stressed out, not wondering about what bills you have to pay, or who's coming tomorrow, or what phone call you're going to get or the doctor bill that you forgot to pay, or any of those? How many of you guys would like to wake up anxious to attack tomorrow? Can I see your hand? Yeah, that's how it should be. That's how God called you to live, by the way. He called you to live in abundance, right? And so then the question for you is this do you like where you are right now? Do you like where you are right now? Because you can be part of that thirteen percent of people. And so then you would say, Well, Dusty, I'm at the grove right now, so it's it's okay. By the way, Tim and Kelly got married yesterday, which we should give it up for them. Kelly made a cake, she made her own cake, and it's out there, she wants you to have a piece, so make sure you clean it out for her when you get done here today, there will be plenty of coffee, I'm sure, so stay inside so you don't start sweating, all right? Now, do you like where you are today? Day one of marriage, you guys are here, and that's that's awesome, that's really awesome, I'm so proud of you. And so then, your position, do you like the position you're in? Do you like the location? Do you like the circumstance that you're in? Do you like the job that you're in? Do you like the attitude that you have? Do you like the extracurricular things that you're involved with? Do you like the circle of people that you hang out with? Do you like where you are right now? And the truth of this matter is most people don't. Most people say, no, I'm unhappy, I'm unfulfilled, but they continue to spend their life right where they are, doing what keeps them in that place. Why do that to yourself? Why do that? A friend of mine says a familiar captivity is more peaceful than an unfamiliar freedom. And so we would much rather stay in the cage. And this is for a later time, but have you ever thought about when they cage a tiger up? I don't know if you guys have saw this. The tiger lives in the cage. He's always lived in the cage. He's been there since forever, but they still lock the door. If that's his home, why why do they lock the gate? Because he knows there's something more. It's the same for you. The grind that you're in why do you keep going back to that grind and locking the gate behind you? It's wide open and you can go and God's called you to go and be everything that he's placed inside of you. We're fixing to take a turn here, by the way, so, so get fired up. So if you live in that place, what happens is you suffer. You suffer, your will suffers, and your energy level drops, right? And you don't have the energy to spit. And so then it seems like the issue I'm facing is just kind of like, uh, and the reason you don't feel like doing much, and you're just trying to recover, right? We're just trying to recover because the race that we've defined in our mind is 8 to 5 or 7 to 3 or 11 to 7, and that's the race you have to run. And God's called you more than running a race at a job, okay? And so you're just trying to muster up the energy so you can get back to do that again so you can not be exhausted to do it again. And people who are low energy are really not low energy. They just lost their passion. This is the point of today. day. Everybody say passion. Now pay it, say it like you mean it. Say passion. 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 They've lost the passion to be where they are, and they've lost, and because of that, they've lost the, lost the passion to move forward. Because they've lost that passion, they don't have any energy, and so they're tired. They're tired. And this leads me to ask you this. What is your passion? Find it. Find it. Find your passion. I'm going to help you do that today. I'm not going to say that you're going to identify it, but I wanna, I'm going to stir some stuff in you that I believe God wants to do in your life. Passion is your energy. Passion comes from your heart. Passion comes from your heart. To have no energy and to have no heart means you've lost your passion. You've lost your passion. And so then Paul gives us a great example of what passion is and how passionate we should be as believers in Philippians chapter 3. Now, to preface this, Paul comes in and he says, forget everything I've done. Forget everywhere I've been. And by the way, Paul was a murderer and a thief and a terrible person before he found Jesus. So you, have, you, you can't put yourself in any box because Paul did all that, okay? Forget everything I am. He says, I'm nothing without Jesus. I'm nowhere without Jesus. I can't do anything without Jesus. And here's what he says. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it. What's he saying? This is humility right here. I don't know it all. I don't know it all. Paul did, Paul's saying, I don't know it all. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and striving towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me toward heaven. God's calling me to heaven. And so then, the reality of where we are today is we have to transition from where we've been to where we're going. You know, the race that you're running as a believer, nobody tells you, including me, that, hey, there's an expectation in a way that you should live live your life. And there's there's an expectation in the way that you lead your life, too. And when you become a Christian, it's not just, hey, sit back, relax, and get, get on the love boat, okay, and, and get, on, get on the cruise ship. You just stepped onto a battleship, and now it's time to do war. And that's the expectation that you're going. That's what endurance means in that scripture. And so that's what you're stepping into. But it's a relationship with an everlasting God that is always faithful, that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so then it's good. It's a good thing. Nobody tells you that. They just tell you to lay back and relax and have a Mai Tai or whatever you drink, and, and it's all going to be great, okay? And that's not the truth when you step into a relationship with God. That's why in Hebrews 12:1 it says, put off the things that hold you back and push toward what's ahead of you. Same thing Paul says, forget what's behind you. Strive toward what is ahead. I press, on, I press on. The one thing I know, I must press on. That means he has direction. There is direction toward the goal. What's the goal? Heaven. Heaven. And so then, to transition from what you've done or from where you've been to where you're going, you've got to understand that you're capable of that, that you're very capable. And so Paul's convinced here and very convicted that I, ha- I must go and I must go this way and I must go with God no matter what. So much so that he says, forget my whole life. Forget everything that I've ever done. Forget it all. The one thing that we must do, the one thing I must do. And Paul's the guy who says, hey, if I don't tell you what God tells me, I'm blowing it. I, would feel, I feel the same. And so scripture says this. I'm going to switch on up gears for you just a second. So scripture says this, a couple things. It says, God chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. That means there's purpose. God doesn't make mistakes. God does everything with intention. And so he chose you, formed you, made you before the foundation of the world. In Ephesians, it says, you are his workmanship, that you are created for good works, that everybody is created for good works, in Jesus, and it says that God prepared these before the foundation of the earth. And so then what you need to kind of land on today is regardless of how discouraged you walked in or how bad you feel or where you came from or what your upbringing was, your passion is in you. Your passion is in you. It's been prepared ahead of time. It was planned for you, and people are going to get in the way. Shine those people. I think Taylor Swift said, um, haters going to hate. Hate, 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 hate. Get those people out of your life so you can walk with God, okay? So then to find your God-given passion, you need to believe that God's will for your life is greater than your way. God's will for your life is greater than your way. And remember, that's a race that you enter as you become a believer. So then you have to, believe, you have to ask yourself this, am I going to believe the Bible enough to let it change my life? Am I going to believe the Bible enough to let it change my life? And so then, God's will for you starts with grace. We've talked about that a little bit. That grace is what allows you to be built, and that grace is free. It's that decision we, we make to follow Jesus. Your work, your work, or your way is an action that builds your name. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And so greater direction means forgetting what is behind you. I'm going to merge Hebrews 12:1 and um, Philippians 3. Forgetting what is behind you, stripping off what holds you back, running the race with endurance and persistence, Striving and pressing on toward what is ahead, and to be hopeful, and to be hopeful for that future. To be hopeful for that future, not living in regret. Not regretful of your past, hopeful for your future. Now, here's the second point. So, the first one was find your passion. There's something in you, we're gonna get there. The second thing is this this means true repentance. Repentance is something we rarely talk about in church, but man, this is when I come wholeheartedly before God and say, I'm sorry. It's not something that I know I need to do. Hey, sorry about that. I used to tell Heather when I was unhealthy and a terrible husband, I would tell her, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sorry you feel that way, which would take zero ownership on my part. I'm sorry you feel that way. And I realized, wait a second, that's a crummy way to approach that. And through a lot of counseling, I learned that's stupid. I'm not taking any ownership. That's something I know I need to do. Well, what do you want to do? There's so many husbands that I talk to, so many men. Who say, Well, what do I need to do? Just tell me what to do and I'll do that. But disconnected from your heart, that action is empty. It's empty. It's got to be connected to your heart. And here's the reality you don't have the power or the authority to forget your past. You can't. And that's the one thing the devil wants to use to beat you up all the time. But God does. God does. And so the one way to get over it and to get past it and to move beyond it is to repent. God, I am sorry. I come to you wholeheartedly right now, and I repent. And 1 John, if you want some homework this week, you can go to 1 John 1, and that's, this is gonna talk about repentance a little bit. And essentially it says this, you either walk in the light or you don't. You're either in it or you're not. And this comes down to how you handle sin. It really does. Sin's this really Christian religious word that we all feel weighs a ton of bricks, but Jesus died for every one of them if we'll just willingly give, if we we'll would willingly repent. And so re- repentance means I'm, say I'm sorry from your heart, right? And First John says this is an opportunity to grow in holiness and come into a deeper relationship with God. This means we get off the surface. You know, when we, when we come in every week, I say, hey, we're going to get real today and we're going to get better. If we'll get real with ourselves and we'll get real with God, we're going to walk out of here better. But if I come in here and take this lightly and don't believe it, and then it's just a box that you check. It's disconnected from your heart. And it's, something, it's a decision you made in your head. And the reality with sin is we can comfort ourselves by pretending that it doesn't matter to God. We can, that they don't bother him. But if repentance is a continuing ethic in your lives, then it will be irregular with God. And you recognize, you don't just shelf it and say, Ah, oh, that's not that big a deal. That's not as bad as the last one, so we're all good, right, Lord? If repentance is not a continuing ethic in our lives, we won't walk in our true passion. We're not going to find that passion if we're living in half-truth. It's not how God operates. Because, because when we live that way, we're lying to ourselves and we're lying to God, which means we're not walking in the light. And first John said that's deceiving. It says it's deceiving yourself and you're deceiving God. And God doesn't live in that, right? And so then everyone knows that God saves and that He's forgiving. We know that in our head. We know their head. But it takes truth to ask God to forgive you. Because you have to get real with yourself. And when we own up to our sin and we say, God, I'm sorry. I blew it. By the way, the Bible says everybody blew it. Everybody. There's nobody you're going to see that, that is just perfect with God. Never. It's never happened. There's been one person to his name is Jesus. And so then it takes grace to receive humility, right? And when you do that, you get better because you're actually walking in forgiveness. You you're finding the will for God for your life. And so then when you're in for, when you've actually received forgiveness, you've repented, you've asked for forgiveness, When you walk in forgiveness, you can run in your passion. You can run in your passion. But man, those things that hold you back, those things that keep you, true repentance is going to get you to your passion faster than anything ever. It's not going to be something you do. It's not going to be something you do. It's going to be who you are. And that decision has to be made with Jesus in your life. And so then the one thing you need to know about your passion is if you don't follow it, you're going to regret it. And a lot of you guys know what you should be doing right now, what you could be doing, but you're still not. This message is for the number two person. It's not the person who, who's just lost. I don't think anybody in here is lost. I do think there are a ton of people here who know exactly what they need to be doing and where they need to be, but there's a couple of things that are holding them or keeping them from getting there, right? And so then, here's, here's what keeps you from getting there. One, knowing where you need to go and not going because you play the shoulda, coulda, woulda game. Well, well, or... Or the other side of it, you're so entrenched in sin and bad people groups and all the other things that hold you back that you're never going to get there because you can't get out of the pit that you're in. And the reality is, is, is your doubt and self-pity or the people you're around, something has to give and something must change if you're going to find greater direction for your life. How do I know this? It's because 2 Timothy nine says, he is the one, Jesus. He is the one who saved you and called you with a holy calling. That's purpose. Okay, that's passion not based on your work, but for his purpose. His purpose, his will. Remember, when we get in his will for our life, it makes us better. It doesn't hold us back. For his purpose and with his grace, which he gave to you again before time began. That's the third time I've told you that God put something in you before he formed the world. That's the Bible, not me, okay? Now, I'm super passionate about helping people. I love this. I love one-on-one coffees. I love groups of three. I love groups of eight. I love it. I believe that God put me on the earth to bring value and add uh, to bring life and add value to people. Bring life and add value. You sense that. You should sense that. You used to sense it in my shoes before you heard it in my voice. But that's why I believe I exist. I love it. I love it. It took me a long time to find it. I'll tell you that story here in just a second. What I realized in finding out why or how or who or where God has gifted me and what he's called me to was when I realized it's not a process, it's people. It's not a process, it's people. And so then, this is why I tell you over and over, life is not about what you do, it's who you're here for. It's who you're here for. We believe that God put us here for you. Now, some people don't believe that, and that's okay. But here's the reality. If I woke up every day to fulfill a function, If I wake up, and I want you to put yourself in my seat, too. If I wake up every day to perform a function and fulfill a process, I'm a robot. I'm a robot. And if I only wake up to do that thing, it doesn't take any personality to do that thing, right? I must bring passion, and I must bring heart, and I must bring caring, and I bring commitment. And that comes from my heart. And when I do that, I'm a human being being somebody instead of fulfilling a process or doing a thing, right? That's something a machine can't do. And I want to tell you that there's two people back here that believe they're right in that sweet spot, Dennis and Karina. They love doing that. They love that. Therefore, they are doing it. But it's not because they show up and say, man, I can't wait to mess this board today or make these slides. It's not about that. It's about the impact that that makes here and through that camera and around the world where people find Jesus, and they know that God's put that in them to do, therefore they do it. I'm so thankful for you guys. I really am. It's so huge to find what's in you that's easy, right? And so then, if you're there and you say, ah, Dusty, I don't know what my passion is. I want to remind you of when you were a kid. We have five kids. And it never seems, it never ceases to amaze me. At some point in a kid's life, what's the number one question your kids have always asked you? Why? And then when you answer why, they say, why? And then when you answer that one, they come back with another why, right? Why, 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 why? And they're finding out the root of the world and everything that we believe in our house and what we do and all that stuff, right? Now, what happens when we become an adult? The first question we say is, what do you do? And we get disconnected from our why. Our heart, our passion, the things that drive us, and we connect to things. We find our identity in those things. And so if you have a, if you have a, a catch today and you say, I don't know what that is, or, or I don't really know what passion is. I don't even remember what my why was when I was 11 years old. That's three questions. The first one is this. What do you sing about? What do you sing about? Do you ever find yourself in a good enough mood to sing? If you do, that makes you happy. What is that? Identify it. The second one is what do you dream about? What do you dream about? This is where the sky is the limit for you. And you can essentially do and have anything that you that you ever wished or your heart ever desired, you could have those, which God wants for you, by the way. That's scriptural. And the third one is what do you cry about? What do you cry about? Will you put that slide up, Karina? And in what you cry about, what I want to know is, what I want to know is what hurts you. And you say, I don't cry, I'm a man. I'm sorry. Yes, you do. Maybe you haven't cried yet. It's coming. Those tears are coming. Niagara Falls is on its way, okay? And so then, it's okay to cry because crying is emotion. God's called you to be three parts whole, right? And and so crying is an emotion, but that allows you to know what what hurts you. What hurts you? So then, what makes you happy? What would you do if you could do anything? And what hurts you? Find out those three things, and you're going to get closer to your passion. These questions are going to allow you to, to, to essentially get in tune with your heartbeat, and that's going to help you find a rhythm for your life. Should have highlighted that. These three questions are going to help you find your heartbeat, and they're going to f- that is going to allow you to find the rhythm of your life. Now, listen. Your passion is your greatest energizer, not caffeine. Not caffeine. It's your passion. It's that fire that is inside of you. Right now, don't go and give up caffeine anymore. If I did that, I'd have a headache. So. I'm not saying caffeine's the devil, okay? Maybe it is. So in that, God gave you passion as caffeine, so you wouldn't need that, although coffee is just delicious. Passion is the foundation of your success, and so that if you're far from it, and you're exhausted and tired and just trying to get to tomorrow, you've got to get back to that. Your level of passion is going to set the pace and the tone for where you're going and how long it's going to take you to get there. When the passion's high, you're going to be on a, on a nice fast track. When your passion's low, not so much. And so if you ever notice when you come into somebody who is a high-passion person, they're like super energetic, they're like ready to go, you can tell right off the bat. And what you tell about them is, one, they love what they're doing. They love where they're going. They love who they are. Like they're in their sweet spot. That's passion. That's passion, okay? Your passion stirs your gifting. Here's what First Peter 4.10 says. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. God's put something in you to help somebody get to heaven. He has. It's not about what you do, it's who you're here for. Your passion is what leads to your production. Not that, well, seven more years and I get to retire. And then what? And then what? I've had, so many, I've had so many conversations with men who are at retirement and don't know what they're going to do with their life because they identified who they were with what they did. And now if they can't do that anymore, they don't know what to do and they're lost. They are lost as lost as lost. Because it's not about that thing. A robot could have done that thing, right? Your passion leads to your production. So then to run with endurance, the race that is set before you, to transition from where you've been to where you're going, where you're capable of going, God's put potential in you that you're never going to reach. That means you're never going to get there. That means set a good pace toward where you're going. You must take the steps necessary for personal growth in your relationship with God. That's all you have to do. God's responsibility is the rest. God's responsibility is the rest. So then to produce doesn't mean to try and be somebody that you're not. And it doesn't mean go somewhere that you're not supposed to be. That's not what production means. And what Hebrews 12.1 and what Paul said in Philippians is this, he says, the person who loves Jesus deeply, the person who loves Jesus deeply endures and they endure through the thick of it. We think endurance means condition. He's in great shape, man. You see how fast he ran that mile? That's not endurance. Endurance is being able to go through the trials of life, the hills, the mountains, the valleys, the potholes, the roadblocks, the detours, and those are, all, those are all time for development in your life. I'll never forget the day that God showed that to me. The detour only means there's time for you to develop in who you are in Jesus. Those who love Jesus deeply will endure. They will endure. And we endure not because we walk in some Western, you know, world or definition of success. We endure because our heart and our mind are God's. That's our focus, which is the third point. So then when we throw up everything that hinders us, and the sin that so easily entangles us, and we run with endurance the race that's marked out before us, we fix our eyes on our Creator. We fix our eyes on Jesus, not the circumstance that surrounds us. Why? Because He's the author and perfecter of your faith. It's not something you do. Finding real passion then takes real repentance, and it takes real focus. Real focus is the third point. Because once you get serious about a greater direction, once you get serious about a greater direction, you're gonna let go of old routines and you're gonna say goodbye to old people. and That's hard, and that's a process. It's not a one-time thing, it's a process. And you're gonna develop new habits, and you're gonna change the way that you think. When you let go, when you put off, when you strip off, when you forget what is behind you, that means letting go. This, well, I like the one thing that that one person did at one time, so I hope that when I meet them this time, they'll do it again, they're not going to. Probably a fluke deal, it's not even who they are. It's probably not what they value, it's probably not what you value either. Okay, and so then when you change all of these things, this allows you to start becoming like Jesus, which is His goal for you. Christ like character is God's goal for you, that's all it ever was. But what you need to understand is your growth is a collaborative effort between you and God. This is us together, so His Spirit works with you and in you. I've got to allow that to happen, so then. You grow in your relationship. You don't work for it. Are you guys with me? Somebody say yes. Yes. What I'm saying is you can't add anything to what Jesus already did. You can't add to it. He did it. You already have it. Say, I have it. I have it. Let me give you an example. I love to train, workout train. When I go to train, I don't go train for a body. I already have my body. I go train to develop my body. A farmer does not work the land to get the land. He already has the land. He farms the land to develop the land. You gain a relationship with Jesus to develop the relationship, not to keep working to have the relationship. You already have it. Jesus said, I paid it all, right? He already did it. So that when God gives you a new life, that fresh purpose comes with it. You're responsible to develop it. That's your step, that's the expectation of entering the race. If you're casual about that growth, if you're casual about it, it shows that you lack understanding and you don't know the implications of what lies in front of you. That's all it shows, which ultimately leads to you lacking direction for your life. Take your relationship with God seriously. Here's the day I got passionate. This was a long story, I've cut it way down. In 2016, I got to a place in our church where we had taken 36 volunteers and made them 350. And eight of them had became full-time staff members. And I was essentially doing nothing. I was doing absolutely nothing. And I was loving every minute of it, not because I could say, I don't do anything for a living. What I was doing was meeting with people every day. And it was so good. And I could tell you about the people here There've been four people who've transitioned from here and they are in the sweet spot of their life. They're in in doing what what they believe God has put in their heart, their passion. We've got two people back there in the booth who are doing the same thing. It's a slow turn. But when I got there, the one thing that I would do when I met with my staff is say this, what's God saying to you? What's God saying to you? Essentially, how's your chair time? How's your engagement with God? Here's Here's how I got to that point. I realized we were doing a bunch of stuff. I was at a clinic or a conference in 2014 on the way home, God planted Matthew 22 in my heart. Love God. You hear me say it every weekend. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. and Love your neighbor as yourself. And so I come back being the type A guy who's getting healthy. And I say, hey, shine all the processes. Now listen, we were setting up a church at 3.30 in the morning to 7 a.m., 7 to 8, we're doing run through. It was amazing. And we were packing that church up from 12.30 to 3.30 in the afternoon into a semi-trailer to haul it off and let this conference center become what it was during the week. And in that, I learned one thing. We were very unhealthy, that our engagement with God was not good. And so I asked my team and every volunteer, almost 400 of us that day, to walk through the building with me at 3.30. Come back, I'm gonna feed you really cheap, greasy pizza. Okay, and I just wanna walk through this building with you. Please tell me what you feel. And I'm a super honest, transparent guy. It's how I like to lead and so I say, hey, tell me what you feel. And we're walking through this building, the lights are off, and here's what they're saying, cold dead, dark, empty, and it's, it's, it's wrecking my life, because I know that's what they're serving, because they were showing up on Sunday to do me a favor, as opposed to serve the God that changed their life, and I said, now listen, I just want to tell you something, if you're doing this for me, that's what you're going to get back, if you're doing this for Pastor Dusty, when you leave here Sunday afternoon, you're going to feel cold, dead, dark, and empty because I can't give you what God can. But if you remember who God called you to be and you'll get back to that place, remember why you started serving, why you started coming to church, the decision you made to follow Jesus. If you remember that and let that fuel your hello at the door, your first hello will be just like your 50th will be just like the 500th because there's a passion in you and you remember what God did for you. And you remember the day that he rescued you and he saved you and he called you home. And he said, you're a son or a daughter. And you remember that and let that fuel you. What you're gonna get is something that, that this building can't give you back because this building will never give you anything, but God can give you everything. And he gave it to you before you were formed. Now, that's how I found my passion. We got to that place where I was like, what's God doing in your life? And helping people get to that seat is one of the greatest thing. Here's the opposite of that. When we get to a place, this is personal now, when you get to a place where you're not performing at the level that you feel you could perform, you used to perform, or, or operating at the level that you think you should, the first thing you do is hit stop, pause. Do I like where I'm at right now? Do I like where I'm at? Do I like what's happening? And where am I at? Meaning position, attitude, circle, all those things we talked about. When you ask that question, you're going to realize that you probably need to make a slight shift or change. It's not too late to do that. There's a quote that speaks so great to passion and gifting. It says, this, find something that you love to do so much that you gladly do it for free. Those two back there. Then learn to do it so well that people are willing to pay you for it. That's what I've done. Only because of the relationship I have with God. Because It's a process. It's not a one-day thing. In this, you're gonna find something in you that God's put in you and he stirs in you, something that drives you nuts that you wish you could do. Do it. Just do it. That's your gifting, it's your calling, it's your purpose. It's every scripture. It's the four scriptures I referenced. Here's the finish of Proverbs 29, 18, and we'll pray. I open with this. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Here's the last half of that verse. But those who walk with the Lord know exactly who they are and where they're going. Passion is in you. He gave it to you. You want direction for your life, find that. It starts with Jesus. So three steps to a greater direction. One, find your passion. Your passion leads to your production. Regularly repent, get before God. You say, get on your knees. If you get on your knees, great. I'll tell you, honestly, sometimes I lay back with my head way back, sometimes I lay down. I'm all over the place, but I'm regularly with God. This keeps you from what keeps you. Regularly repent. Number three, fix your focus. It's where you're going. It's so easy to get lost in where you are and what you don't have. Ugh. Stop that. Fix your focus. Fix your focus. And you're going to fix your focus on that, what He has for you, instead of wonder what you have to work for. You don't have to work for anything. Remember, you already have it. You already have it today. Thank you so much for joining us today. It means more than you know to have you with us. And to all of you who partner with us and support the mission of our church, thank you. We cannot be the church without you go ahead and click the link in the description to partner with us now or you can visit the forward slash partner if you enjoy the podcast please take a minute to like and subscribe and if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message share it with them this is how the gospel goes forward thanks again for being here today god bless you